0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, chapter number 20. Anybody hot? Let the church say amen. <laughs> Lord have mercy, it's all good, but yeah, he's great. Whew. Acts 20 and verse number 35, I'm pausing here, not for dramatic effect, I'm fat, I'm just trying to catch my breath. <laughs> amen. Acts 20 and verse number 35, the Bible says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, and we've all heard it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, before you tune me out,'re probably not going to hear what you think you're going to hear. All right? We start talking giving. It's a biblical principle, and I'm not saying I won't touch on it. That's not the primary uh, core of this lesson this morning. There are other ways to give. And it's all biblical. And I I hope that you'll stay with me this morning as I uh, endeavor to try to prove that today by God's help and His Word. I want to talk to you this morning in this lesson on a generous life. A generous life. You may be seated. Lord bless you for standing. Thank you for putting up with me. A generous life. A blessed life is a generous life. I'll just let that sink in for a moment. In his farewell address to the Ephesian elders, the Apostle Paul uses himself as an example of a generous life. He cites how he lived with them the entire time in verse 18, how he was withstanding trials that could have sent many away while staying true to the mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ how giving himself to them through exhortation and tears, verse 31, and then supplying, verse 34, his personal needs through his own labor. The key to the Apostle Paul's generous life is seen in verse 24 where he says, Neither count I my life dear unto myself. In other words, I'm willing to sacrifice my life if it be necessary. That's a sentiment that uh, we've already passed Memorial Day. We're coming upon Independence Day. That's a sentiment that uh, most, if not all, of our military carry with them. They are willing to sacrifice their life. We have first responders in our church today and have for several years that while it might not be discussed openly much, something within their heart tells them that they're willing to sacrifice to help someone else. Firemen, policemen, they all bear the same burden of service. This was also the spirit of Jesus and of all the early Christians, duty. Duty is of more importance than life. And when either duty or life is to be sacrificed, life is to be cheerfully surrendered. In an article by Carl Smallwood published January 15th of 2013 called The Ten Most Inspiring Self-Sacrifices, it states when Air Florida Flight 90 smashed into a frozen lake in the middle of a snowstorm, All but six passengers were killed. Some 20 minutes later, a helicopter arrived to rescue the survivors. After getting one man to safety, the helicopter threw a life ring to a man named Arland Williams who immediately gave that life ring to the passenger next to him. When the helicopter came back for a third time, he did the same thing again. And then he did it Again, and then again, and when the helicopter came back the final time, Arland was dead. He had used his last ounce of strength to save a complete stranger. You know, when you fly, if you get seated in an exit row, they'll ask you, are you willing to help someone else in the event of an untimely landing or a crash? And if you don't answer affirmatively they will reseat you because they're looking for someone to sit there that is willing to put others before themselves. I've come to tell us this morning that if you are going to live your best life there is a call of duty that will be required. It is required of all of us. It is the weight of this duty can only be relieved in seeing mankind born again of water and of spirit we need to get people into the presence of God we worship not as a formality or a ceremony we worship and we sing praises to God because it's the music and singing and worship that drives the enemy away when when the king Saul had an evil spirit upon him and he needed something who did he call He called on David. David came with a harp and David played. And David, maybe he sang some of the songs that he wrote out into the shepherd's field, but it was that playing and that worship that David was doing that would drive out the presence of the enemy. We need to get people, the only way we're going to pull people out of hell's fire is to get them into the presence of a God that loves them, that that wants them and desires to have a fellowship relationship with them. Can somebody say amen? amen? The Apostle Paul speaks plainly as he was accustomed to doing that he coveted no one's goods. Another key to a generous life today is to not covet the things of the world. To covet means a consuming and controlling desire for what others have or for more of what we have ourselves. Well, how do I know if I covet? If that's all you can think about. If you'll sacrifice your eye, teeth, and your, your firstborn to get it. Well, there's no one that would do that. You, you might want to rethink that strategy. There, yeah. I won't get off on that today. That's, that's, that's a tangent rabbit hole we don't need to go down. But coveting, coveting is not just a Ten Commandment, although it is. It is the last one. It is the last of the Ten Commandments. Which tells me if we think about this carefully, that if we covet, we have ended up breaking all of the other nine. Because when you covet, you are at risk of stealing. When you covet, you are at risk of lying. When you covet, you are at risk of murdering. Let me tell you, church, in 2021, I know this is happening, it seems like, every day. But you don't have to stab someone, slash their throat, or put a bullet into their heart to kill them. You dogged a reputation on social media once, you've already got them. Dishonor, covetousness, is idolatry. Acts 20 and verse 35 uses the wording, It is more blessed to give than to receive. We've all heard it. If you've been around church or anybody associated with church, or the Red Cross for that matter, you've heard someone talk about the virtues of giving to other people. Phrasing is a focused request for action. It is an imperative verb. It is more blessed to give versus receiving. and It reiterates the need to make a conscious effort in that giving. A generous life does not come about by happenstance. It is a conscious choice. There is evidence that supports the benefit of a generous life. There's an article published in Time Magazine, August 4th, 2017, called The Secret to Happiness is Helping Others. And the writer writes, Scientific research provides compelling data to support the anecdotal evidence that giving is a powerful pathway to personal growth and lasting happiness. Through functional MRI technology, we know that giving activates, hear this now, giving activates the same parts of the brain that is stimulated by both food and sex. Experiments show evidence that the practice of unselfish concern for the welfare of others is hardwired in the brain, and it's pleasurable. That's why it feels good to do something good for someone else. Helping others may just be the secret to living a life that is not only happier, but also healthier, wealthier, more productive, and meaningful according to this article. It is necessary for us as the body of Christ to help other people. This can come in many ways. It, it may come in many fashions. The greatest blessing you could ever experience in life is to see someone else's life changed by God's power. That means more than... Than any financial giving. That means more than paying off somebody's car. That means more than helping someone meet their utility bill for the month. All good things. All noble things. But the best way we can help others is to be real in our Christianity. The best best life I can live as a Christian is to be the same Jerry Mason on Monday. That I am on Sunday. In doing so, I'm going to help somebody. Our ability to help them starts with our ability to bring God an outward expression of our appreciation to Him. Well, what is an outward expression of our appreciation to God? Thank you, Bishop. Worship. And out I remember, Brother Fred, I don't remember what year it was, but it's we'll just say it's been a day or two. I've already felt dated this morning. I don't want to make it worse. But I remember a day or two ago in the second church. Now, I don't want to get off on my message for tonight, so let me be careful. But I remember a day or two ago in the second church, we had a Thanksgiving service. We were the hosts. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. Maybe you can relate to it the same. But I can remember we sang, we worshiped. I remember playing the organ. I think the choir sang. We had special songs. House was packed, if I remember right. I felt nothing. If, if zero could be measured, I would show it to you. I felt it was flatline. Flatline God in my life. I didn't feel anything. And I can remember... I, I remember their faces vaguely. I don't know their names. I wouldn't call it if I did. But I I remember there was a couple of people that was hanging around after service, and, and they just kept staying and kept staying and kept staying, and you, which is fine. Don't please do not misunderstand me. It's just typically visitors don't stay. Visitors usually make their exit, and these people were staying, so it caught my attention, and and in observing and. Walking my way toward the back, I remember hearing them, and I probably won't get this word for word, but you'll understand the meaning this morning. I remember hearing them talk about the overwhelming presence of God that they felt in the house that night. And it convicted me because here I am claiming to have God's truth and I just sat through a service and performed and did not feel the presence of God and because I didn't feel him oh help me Jesus because I didn't feel him I didn't worship him let me clue you in on something and this is a commercial break for tonight I don't worship him because I feel him I worship him because he's worthy I worship him because of who he is today and that's the best way the church of 2020 is going to help society is to give God praise and give God worship. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God, don't ever let me get past your convicting presence. God, don't give up on me. This world... Needs to see Jesus. Now we could have made that statement 60 years... Man, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost this morning. We could have made that statement 60 years ago and it would have still been a true statement. But never in my life have I made made that statement and it had truer words and meaning in my life than today. This world needs to see Jesus. And the only way some people are going to see Jesus is through the Jesus that's in you and the Jesus that's in this church. And they won't see it if we're not expressing it. And it's God's will and God's blessing and favor for us to live a generous life. I may not have money to give, but I can praise Him and I can show you how valuable my God is. Somebody say amen. Amen. We are not called to be like this world. We are not called to be like this world's religious system. We are not called to be casual Christians who clock in on when we get here and clock out when we leave with some pious sense of pride in our attendance record don't misunderstand me I I know Hebrew says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together I know we should be here I think we should be able to stand before God with a good attendance record but that's not where my piousness needs to come from as a matter of fact I need that pride to be washed away from me in 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 an attitude of repentance we are called to live a generous life today some may give their life for another others may not but we all can give of our life for someone else by leading them to God. Have you ever, you ever sat in a church service here or somewhere else and just been I don't know what the right word is, amazed by someone's worship? Just in awe? It was just inspiring. I guess it's probably the right word. I, I have been in services where I have left inspired by somebody else. That's giving. That person I may not have known their name. I may not have known anything about their background or their future or their present day. But what I do know is that they gave to me through their obedience to Him. And they gave me something that money cannot buy. Because they gave of themselves. There are people this morning that are working throughout this campus. We've got media staff upstairs. We've got people in the office right now. We've got a Sunday school class over here. We've got class in the back. Teachers teaching. People, people doing the work of God. You know what they're doing? They're giving of themselves. They're, they're, they're giving to me even though I'm not in present company. They're giving to your children and to your grandchildren. I'm thankful today for a generous life. I'm thankful today for God's blessing and favor. But God's blessing and favor is not upon us as a church just simply because we put our hair up and we tie our tie in a single wins or knot. That's not where God's favor is at. God's favor and blessing is in obedience to His Word. And I simply today, I stand here before you flat-footed as I can be today and I'll tell you, I cannot make it without Him. I I can't make it without Him. I can't survive tomorrow without Him. I can't survive the unknown without Him. My worst day in the world is still... My worst day in the church, excuse me. My worst day in the church is still better than my best day in the world. Because that's how good God is. That's how much He's done for me. And I want Him to know it today. Because we can give... Of ourselves. it's God's will I'm uh, who, who, who are you talking to brother Mason I, I, well, I'm, I'm talking to all of us I'm talking to myself but I'm, I'm talking also to those here this morning who think you have no value to offer I'm, I'm talking to those today that think you you don't you lack the right ingredients to contribute I'm talking to people this morning that are either in present company or listening by way of the World Wide Web today that need to hear that Jesus loves you. And He loves you so much, He wants you to demonstrate your love for Him so that you might help somebody else. That's the power of connection. That's the power of linking and attaching and relating and uniting and plugging in. The power of connecting to people and connecting to God is just this that I want Him to know I can't make it without Him. I can't make it without you. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Matthew chapter 6. In verse number one, I've got to hurry. It says, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, now I know, I know, I know that there are certain verses in the Bible that can sound confusing. You get the old English translation of the original God Hebrew. Hebrew. And we've got the these and the thous and the thuses and the sos and, and it's very poetic and very archaic. And it can sound confusing sometimes, but this next statement's not confusing. It's pretty plain. Ye have no reward of your father. Now, Jesus didn't leave much to confusion when he made that statement. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father... Which seeth in secret himself shall reward the openly. Following a great sermon on lifestyle evangelism, one family thought they had better do something to witness of Jesus. So they invited their next door neighbor to dinner the following Friday night. When it came to the meal... The hostess was keen to show their neighbors that they upheld Christian standards in their home. As the evening progressed, she asked the little five-year-old boy to say grace. Little Johnny was a bit shy. I don't know why we always call him Johnny, so if your name's Johnny, don't take any offense. He was a little bit shy, and he said, Mommy, I don't don't know what to say. She said, Well, darling, just, just say what Daddy said at breakfast this morning. Obediently, the boy repeated, Oh, God, we've got those awful people from next door coming to dinner tonight. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. If you're going to give to someone, if you're going to do something for someone, What Jesus is explaining to us in Matthew chapter 6, make sure you're doing it for the right reason. If it's self-aggrandizement, it will show. God's blessings are not in self-interest, but God will bless you openly when you do something for someone in secret. That's how you can assure. That's how I assure that my motives stay in check. Luke 14 and verse 12 says, Then said He also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed. Excuse me, at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is just simply sharing a principle for living a generous life here, and that is give without seeking anything in return. It's an important principle. This is a practical principle. Maybe it's not that spiritual right now, but it's, it's a practical principle for living. And I think it's steeped in our Christianity. <clears throat> Otherwise, we don't demonstrate the right behaviors of a Christian. That if you're going to give to someone, whether it be work, aid, help, money, that you give it to them to give to them, not to be owed. William Barclay said the law of the kingdom is this, that if a man give to gain a reward, he will receive no reward. But if a man gives with no thought of reward, his reward is certain. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, you cannot expect to get paid twice. When I read that, it made my hair curl. Can't expect to get paid twice. You either have your reward now, or in heaven. Knowing our motive. That, that's, that's really what I'm trying to get at here this morning. Is knowing our motive. I, I'm, I'm pretty heavy today on a generous life is, is giving to others, giving of ourselves to others. Let me, let me posture it this way. <clears throat> Whether you're a pastor, a musician, a singer, a Sunday school teacher, media staff, church cleaner, uh, Toilet plunger. Lord have mercy, that's got to be probably the most unattractive job in, on the, in the church or in the home. Bug killer. Lawn mower. Weed trimmer. Secretary treasurer. Light bulb changer. Whatever. I've tried to go from left to right there, all right? doesn't matter what you do. If you... Hear me now, uh, church workers if you aren't doing it to God without expecting anything in return, you will burn out, you will fade out, and you'll drop out. Because voluntary work for other people has got to be the most thankless job on the face of planet earth. Nobody sees it, so they don't think about it. They don't see. Now I'll use pastor for an example. And I don't don't know this. Uh, Let me use somebody else for an example that I I do know of because I've heard them talk about it and I won't won't drop their name today. But it's a well-known pastor in the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our families here, uh, pastor's family, my family, bishop, we all know them very well. But this particular pastor, he, he will spend I don't know if he still does it today or not but I know he went through a season of his life where he spent 40 count them now 40 to 60 hours on one sermon 60 hours that's that's 12 hour days if you're monday through friday that's a lot of time now of course that time was not all reading and research that included his prayer that included seeking the face of that, that was everything associated with his focus for that one service and all people saw was 40 minutes If, you, if he's not doing it because of the call of God, I can guarantee you he would not still be doing it today. Because the feeling that would emerge is, they have no clue. I just spent 60 hours for a message that they didn't even appreciate. Are, are you with me now? Now, that's just an example. That applies to every job. Every work, it don't matter what you're doing. Yard work, when Brother Fred, Brother Logan, I love that so much. Our mowing, Logan's probably too young to be there yet. So I'll pick on Brother Fred just a moment. But when he's here mowing, unless you're driving by, you don't know it. All we know is that we show up Sunday morning to a well-manicured lawn. Right? And we think, hey, well, that yard looks so good. Well, how do you think it got there? Because somebody invested time, resource, after a long, hard day of work, away from their family, to do it. Church cleaners, same way. Every job. My, my wife, this isn't in my notes this morning, but I just I'm, I'm trying to make a point. My, my wife spends probably six, six plus eight, eight hours sometimes four days a week working on church books. The work of God. This is my point this morning. The work of God is necessary, and the work of God is in most places. Now I love to be in awe and to be inspired by the campuses that are so... large. There are people, there are churches that I know that, and I know the pastor uh, and Bishop knows the pastor. I know of campuses today. They've got more full-time staff than what we've got in our entire church body. And I'm inspired by that. And I think that's just great. But those are the exceptions. If we're honest with ourselves, those are the exceptions. Most places it is done... By volunteer workers. Believe it or not, we're normal. (laughs) Lord, have mercy, nobody's ever called me normal a day in my life. Sister Rhonda, you you said amen with your eyes, just a little bit too strong there. But it calls, it demands a call of duty brother Mike stands back here and opens the door greets people he doesn't do that because he has to he does that because he wants to the call of duty rests upon every count it now Everybody's shoulder. No one is exempt. I'll get over here so I don't get myself in trouble. <laughs> Lord bless you. No one is exempt from having a call of God on their life. You don't have to have a license card in your wallet to say you're called to preach to have a call of God. You know what you have to have to have a call of God? A willing spirit. An obedience to God's voice. You don't even have to have the Holy Ghost to have a call of duty on your life. Because there are some of you that I can remember way back when. Oh, no, let me rephrase that. A couple of days ago. (laughs) That started doing things in the church before you ever... Why did you get the Holy Ghost? It's because you engaged, you connected, you plugged in, you started working for God, God started working for you. generous life, a blessed life, is one that is best lived in service in obedience to God. Can somebody say amen? amen. <clears throat> it's not about image. Think about this. Get an image. And if you know somebody like this, keep their name to yourself. But get an image this morning of... A believer who carries their Bible with them everywhere they go. Not a bad thing, so please don't misunderstand me. But here's the litmus test for this illustration. If our desire is to do right and to give God's light, then we're acting in the Spirit of Christ. But if our desire is to only appear right, to have a spotlight put on us, then we've got the wrong motive. And if you try to work for God with the wrong motive, you won't work very long because it won't be worth it to you. Romans. Brother Zach, let's turn there. Thank you for your help. Romans chapter 12, verse number 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, We heard that word last Sunday morning, soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we, having, everybody say it with me, many members, oh, we can do better than that, many members, thank you, in one body, and all members have not the same office. Not everybody needs to be a singer. I grew up thankful for my upbringing. If my parents listen to this at any point in the future, I love you. But when I grew up, I think everybody had to sing. Who's got a song? I got one. They might live right. They might not. And <laughs> there, was a, there was a gentleman, I'll call him that just to be polite, an elder gentleman in the church that I grew up in at one point. That he'd take off singing sometime. He'd sit over in a corner, a side pew, and he had a tambourine on those devil chasers. And he'd take off singing, and he'd be smacking that tambourine on his leg, and he'd take off singing. Church would get to moving. They'd worship. worship, Church would get to worshiping. And I'd be playing the drums. And all of a sudden, I could tell that the beat had shifted, Brother Terry. And I, I learned this as I got a little older, and I looked up at him. And I'd see a little smirk on his face, a little, little grin. And I found out later that, that, that he did that on purpose. Because he wanted to make sure people weren't in their flesh. And as I got older, I thought about that, and I thought, who's in their flesh? What's your point? So my, my, my point is this morning is not everybody needs to be doing everything. That, that really, honestly, was not his place. That was not where he was best served, but there is a place for you and a place for me where that we can serve, right? Because all members have not the same office. So we, being many, continuing on, are one body in Christ, and every one members of one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, and he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. Giving. Giving. I don't think I've even talked about money yet. If I have, I forgot it, so I didn't stay long there. I told you up front that you wasn't going to hear probably what you thought you was going to hear. Giving. We're not talking about money. We're talking about ourselves. We're talking about our gift to God, our duties to God. Are you a prophet? Then prophesy. Are you a minister? Then minister. Are you a teacher? Then teach. Don't quit. Look at your neighbor this morning. Say, don't quit. Look at your neighbor this morning. Whatever you're doing, don't quit. Whatever you do, do you exhort? Give exhortation. Are you a ruler? Rule with diligence. Do you have mercy? Give it. cheerfully. This is not an exhaustive list this morning. It represents the key point that whatever God has called you to do. You need to be found in this hour doing it, not waiting, not waiting, doing it. Because someone, someone needs your gift. Someone needs your obedience to God. Do you know why I'm standing here today? Not necessarily on this platform, but in church. Do you know why I'm standing in church today? Because of someone's obedience. I didn't didn't make this on my own. I feel like a turtle on a fence post most of the time. I didn't get there by myself. Someone's obedience. Someone might just be waiting on your obedience. On your obedience. I close this morning with this verse, Luke 6. In verse number 38. Give. We've heard, every. this is one of those verses that whenever I say it, I hear Bishop's voice in my head. I've got a few of those. Right? He's made an impact on our life today, and I'm so thankful for that. I hear His voice. I can't say it the way He says it, but in my head, I'm getting it right. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down, and shaken together, and running over. Now, if you've got to press it down, and, you know, uh, it's no, <laughs> well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't probably tell this, but I, I like cereal. Right and there's a lot of time. I won't tell you what kind. It's none of your business. But I like I like cereal, and uh, I don't eat I don't eat before Wednesday night church. Uh, pri- prior to connect groups, uh, between between work and church, there's not enough time for me to eat and get comfortable before singing. So I just skip the meal till after church, and I eat myself some cereal. And I've got a container that my wife has has given me to to pour the cereal in because it stays fresher than when you open the bag in the box from the store. I'll fill that dude up, and I'll pour him in, and then I'll shake it down, and I'll add a little bit more, and I'll shake it down. That's exactly the imagery that I get of this verse, that when, when, when we give, when we give, God will give back to you. Not just when we give money. I believe this is all-inclusive today. When you give of yourself. Good measure. I don't, I don't necessarily press my cereal down because I won't crack it, right? But I'll, I'll shake it so I can add some more. and I'll shake it and I'll add some more, right? That's what God's doing for us. When you give, when you're obedient, stand with me this morning. When you're obedient, good measure. Somebody say good measure. Somebody say press down. Somebody say shaking together. Somebody say running over. It's a generous life. It's a blessed life. Would you lift your hands with me in prayer right now and ask God to seal this word in our hearts today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.